to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thanks for joining us in this episode of Educator Essentials, the podcast where we talk with our members about success stories, best practices, and strategies for faculty, preceptors, and those involved in the education of the pharmacy workforce. My name is Jennifer Wisniewski from the Medical University of South Carolina College of Pharmacy. And today we'll be chatting with Dr. Monica Green, who serves as the Ambulatory Care Pharmacy Manager and Adjunct Faculty at Texas Southern University College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences. And Dr. Christy Britton, who serves as a Clinical Pharmacy Specialist and Program Manager at MUSC Health and is a professor at the Medical University of South Carolina. So we're talking about peeling back the layers of the layered learning model and outpatient perspective and the benefits and challenges in the layered learning for today's practices. Thanks for joining us today. Let's start by getting to know you, our, our guests. Thanks so much for being here with us today. Dr. Green, would you please describe your current practice and how many learners that you take on a regular basis? Sure. I currently practice at St. Vincent's Clinic. It's an interprofessional continuity of practice experience. I have the clinic on Wednesday afternoons where underinsured or uninsured patients with heart failure are seen. So in this particular patient-centered medical home, patients are seen by medical students, PTOT students, respiratory therapy students, laboratory students, social work students, and pharmacy residents and students. So our goal is to actually integrate healthcare teams to actually maximize the effectiveness in patient care to address the complex needs of our patients. I have about four to five students throughout the academic year, two residents a year for a longitudinal experience, and the longitudinal experience is in the spring. That covers my practice. That seems like a a really diverse population to oversee. Dr. Britton, would you describe your current practice and how many learners that you take on a regular basis? Sure, absolutely. So I work with actually our ambulatory services and our practice covers a variety of things, including our outpatient pharmacies, specialty pharmacies, and some of our additional clinical services, including our clinic-based pharmacists. So my rotation experience really aims to expose students to all of those areas. And I serve as part of their being a preceptor, but we have multiple other preceptors that are engaged in the rotation experience as well, including my PGY1 community pharmacy residents. Thank you, ladies. Dr. Britton, do you mind to to define or describe how you see the layered learning model? So we define uh, the layered learning model as uh, a way that we have uh, different levels of learners on rotation. For my um, specific layered learning rotation, I have IPPE, so first year community students, as well as fourth years on APPE, ambulatory care rotations, and then our PGY1 community-based residents um, serving as part of their teaching and training components of their residency program. So we typically have a combination of both IPPs, APPs, and residents all working together during the month. And then I, as the primary preceptor, oversee the activities. And there are a number of opportunities where We can have the fourth years that are working directly with the IPPE first years, delivering MTM services. So basically working side by side 
providing guidance. I think it's a very helpful environment to fill in some of potentially the knowledge gaps that maybe our younger students or our earlier students in the program have. And then that same thing is true for our residents really interacting either with just the fourth years or kind of that combination across the board. And then again, for myself as the primary preceptor, um, really providing guidance to the residents throughout the month. So we kind of, it looks different every day of the month in terms of what the layered learning rotation is. And we have very formalized kind of group sessions, uh, but then we also have a lot of opportunities where there's one-on-one working next to each other. And again, whether that's just student to student or student to resident or resident to preceptor. Dr. Green, how do you define the layered learning model? So our layered learning model or my layered learning model definition is similar to Dr. Britton's. We have the same process where we have IPIs, APIs, as well as residents. We have about 20 to 25 students per year and 25 preceptors. We have two residents for our PGY-1 and one resident for our PGY-2 and ID. And so we have the opportunity to share students and residents when we're looking for that layered model experience. But I would also add that um, that's more the traditional route. And what I mentioned before is we also have a layered learning model process with the St. Vincent's Clinic, where you have residents and students that can actually learn from the interprofessional students that are there. So we have the opportunity to meet as a group and discuss each patient and determine what the patient's needs are, whether it's a medical student, social work and pharmacy, or whether it's a respiratory therapist in pharmacy and the medical resident or medical student. And so these types of experiences allow for the pharmacy residents and students have the opportunity to learn from the other healthcare professionals as we collaborate on each patient in the clinic at St. Vincent's. I think as I I listen to the way that you guys define your model that you use, it's just the the diversity of skill set and knowledge base that you guys have been able to incorporate, you know, using an IPPE student with a resident and even you, Dr. Green, using other disciplines within your, your model as well. So how have you been able to incorporate this just range of skill set within your everyday practice? So both the resident and student are responsible for reviewing the patient panel for our Wednesday clinic. And then we have a discussion on Monday or Tuesday prior to the clinic and discuss each patient and discuss some preliminary considerations that we may have. The resident and the student, they have their own patients. So let's say there are five patients. I may give the resident three patients and the student two patients to review. And then in our discussion, It allows the resident to have the opportunity to teach and coach the student through their discussion of their patient. And that way we're all on the same page of reviewing all of the patient cases. And then that student has the opportunity to ask the resident questions and why they chose to move forward on this particular drug, et cetera, during that discussion process. Dr. Britton, how have you been able to incorporate the diversity of skill set within your everyday practice? So I will say one thing that is maybe a little bit more unique about our rotation experience is we do only offer it at certain times of the year. I really came to the idea of doing layered learning when I was working, really actually when I originally started my PGR1 community residency program. And we really wanted to ensure that our residents had that 
primary preceptorship exposure. And I really wanted to design an experience where they had ownership of the student from like the beginning of the rotation to the end. And with a lot of the longitudinal nature that we have built into the rest of the program, it really made the most sense for us to kind of make it like a capstone experience at the very end of the residency program. And that's what we do now. So we typically do this towards the end of the residency program. So with our calendar, that ends up being like May and June of each year. Um, And that aligns really well with us when we have our IPI students on rotation, as well as when we have some of our API students. So we really try to concentrate the experience, obviously. And it also ensures that us doing it at that time, that the residents are really feeling quite comfortable asking a resident to do a layered learning rotation on month two when they've maybe just gotten licensed and they're just kind of getting their feet wet is a little different than really at the end of their residency program. And so our structure in the month is very group collaboration. We do a lot of Outside of some of the clinical work, which we do, um, that tends to be kind of, again, maybe either one or two of the students with a resident, if that's in clinic during, you know, one day a week, or they're working in the pharmacy side by side. Uh, But we do a group session every week where we um, talk about either the top 200 drugs and they get practice doing topic discussions. And we're always trying to give them feedback and build in other ways that we can kind of hit everybody at the same level that they should be. And I think that's one of the things we've seen like with their topic discussions, what we expect out of an IPPE student is very much different than what we would expect out of an APPE student and really laying into like getting them very comfortable with primary literature and knowing and being able to use that and and incorporate that into the topic discussions that they're doing. And then the other cool thing that we do, I mentioned about the top 200, but we really try to go through actually the entire top 200, kind of a deep dive break it up into different sections and groups. Our residents uh, do some interactive games at the very beginning. And then we actually ask our fourth years to do the, the last two sessions and they can kind of see it and kind of experience what the residents do and then come up with and kind of emulate. So some examples that they've done are, you know, like interactive Kahoot games. We've seen Jeopardy done and it makes it really fun, but I think it also gets the APPE students into kind of more of that teaching mindset. And um, it seems to be a really good refresher as they go on to the rest of their rotations. I absolutely love your structure. I think it's very interesting. I say that because when we talk about some of the obstacles, when we start the layered learning model, in the fall, a lot of times the resident or the student, they're just not comfortable with that process. And so I definitely will take that into consideration. I definitely like that. I know we have a LAPI program that our residents also have the opportunity to sit and listen to our students present on journal clubs, topic discussions. So that's another opportunity for them to provide input. But I absolutely love the fact that you have that structure at the end of the academic year. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately it's limiting, right? Like we can only do it a certain number of times. We can only incorporate a certain number of students into it. And I mean, I guess there could be additional expansion of other faculty, perhaps offering something similar. That's really the only limitation, but it seemed to me to be able to build on 
you know, the opportunity at that time of the year. And, and again, really gear up the residents at that point and have them have that comfort level, I think is really important, particularly when you're going to, you're really taking on that role of being the primary preceptor and, um, you know, giving them the experience to give feedback and do their evaluations. They really feel like they have a lot of ownership over it. And I think that's important. Do you have a, for your South Carolina Board of Pharmacy, a six-month rule for residents to become preceptors? We have that in Texas. And so that also lends to why we should probably be doing such a, a structured model as well, that they can actually become preceptors at six months after they've completed six months of their residency. I'm curious how they do it. Hmm. I'm not hundred percent sure, to be honest. You know, I think one thing that I guess maybe the way that we approach it is I am always, I'm still the official preceptor of record. I am the one who does all the entering in of the evaluations, but we, we do you know, either sit down all together or get all on a team's call and talk through the rubrics and the feedback. And then we collaboratively do that when we actually meet with the student. So that's, I think, just been helpful for us to maybe kind of keeping it a little bit easier is that we still definitely have me or whoever that primary preceptor serving as truly the preceptor of record. Um, and at the end of the day, it's our responsibility, right, um, for the entire layered learning experience. But it does allow those residents to take a more active role. And we have the same. We still oversee, even though those residents can become preceptors just to make sure that there's continuity. And so I I definitely agree with that as well. I think that was really telling. And I think both your expertise in using the layered learning model over the course of time. And I really appreciate the incorporation of evidence-based teaching methods, which is, you know, just a personal passion of mine is being able to incorporate the layered learning practice model, which the evidence has shown improves outcomes for patients and learners and increases job satisfaction for preceptors. And so, and then the addition of those evidence-based teaching methods, which within the layered learning model, I think that's really compelling information. And you guys make it sound so easy. You know, you made it sound like it's something that you've incorporated and that you, you know, you've been doing and as experts, right. It's something that comes a little easier for you guys having done it for so long, but what challenges do you find in utilizing the layered learning model in your practices? So I would say that I only have residents in the spring. I do not have residents in the fall, but I have students. It could be students in the spring or the fall. I only have four to five. So, and, and sometimes I have two at a time. So there are certain instances where we don't have the opportunity for a layered learning model. So that's one. And then also If the resident has other competing responsibilities, when we are set to have those discussions on Monday or Tuesday, oftentimes we don't get to have those discussions. Like I said, my clinic is on Wednesdays, one day a week in the afternoon. And so I want to set up the meetings for the resident as late as possible so that me, the resident, and the student can have the discussions for the patients. But oftentimes that does not happen. So we've been trying to work through some ways um, regarding setting up the resident for success and giving them the opportunity to have these reviews, but at the same time, ensure that they complete the rotation that they're currently on. And I think we've had similar challenges. As I mentioned before, you know, currently we only offer this in 
essentially like the end part of our residency year. So May and June, I too take students on rotation at other times of the year. So those are definitely not layered learning. There's maybe opportunities that the residents can be incorporated into some of that student. But again, it's not that true ownership of the entire kind of student's experience. The other, I mean, I think scheduling is always a challenge. And I do think for us, we've tried to be very cognizant of like what the residents are doing and making sure that we have some dedicated time. So this year, I actually had to move a couple things around where I really was like, okay, we're just going to pick Mondays. We need every one time per week when everybody can be together. And then we really tried to do all of our group activities during that time. But it did require some changes where either I needed to move somebody's staffing day or we needed to change somebody's clinic day. But ultimately, it was really nice to be like, we had this day, we know we can use it, and then everybody's there to be able to participate. So we would do our top 200 reviews then. We did our topic discussions then. Again, any other kind of discussions or group types of activities when we would do evaluations. Um, so again, all of that's kind of scheduled together. And I think the other you know thing that... I'll just be honest. I think that the biggest challenge is I feel like you never know what you're going to get in in terms of your students, but also your residents. And I think from the resident perspective, some residents feel really comfortable to come in and maybe they have that skill set where they do they're ready to plan a schedule of, you know, which can be very complicated when you're talking about four learners, three residents and one primary preceptor. And others are not as comfortable. So I will say there are times when I have to lean way more in to the scheduling versus I've had other times where I can actually step out a little bit because the residents seem to have a little bit more comfort. And then, you know, I think the other thing is just it's the unpredictability of what's going to happen. (laughs) And when you have that many learners in a group, it's very challenging. And knowing how to, I guess, flex the skills when maybe we're met with a challenging student, when we're trying to figure out what specifically is going on. And so it's it's kind of been interesting in the years that we've done this, like back-to-back months, the student makeup is very drastically different. Wonderful learning experience, right, for uh, the residents to be able to see that and work through some of those difficult situations. But at the end of the day, they're still very difficult. And I think as being in academia, you know, us for a while, like we know that that's going to come down. You know, they always kind of, I feel like the residents are always like, is this an anomaly? Like, does this happen? Like, we can't believe this is happening. And I'm like, no, this happens. (laughs) Like, you just, you have to be prepared for it. We have to kind of get through that. So, you know, I think there's, those are definitely probably some of the biggest challenges that I see. No, I absolutely agree. Uh, You never know what you're going to (laughs) get. And so it keeps you on your toes as a primary preceptor and even the resident because everyone has a different learning style, right? So it gives you the opportunity to, to understand different learning styles and know that when you do leave as a resident, those students that you precept, you know, you already have the opportunity to have seen what it's like to precept a student. So I think it's definitely important. Um, And then oftentimes they see, oh, you know, that was me as a student. So they, you know, sometimes they see themselves in the students. So I think that that definitely helps as well. I just sometimes, you know, the process, you just, it, it makes you change 
the way you process things for the resident and the student. It allows you to continue learning. I've been precepting, I think, for 13 years now, and I still see something different every time. But what I will say often helps is the topic discussions for the students, especially early on. And at a previous position I was in, it was 15 of us clinical pharmacists. And what we would do is we would actually have a topic discussion every Friday because our clinics were so busy so that we could provide the student with that basic knowledge of patient care for each of those chronic disease states, such as diabetes, hypertension, dyslipidemia. And so as they rotated during that Monday through Thursday time, their knowledge base Uh, truly was increased and they were more on the same page knowledge-wise as they moved through the program or they moved their rotations. And so when they were with the resident, you could actually see that improvement with that particular student. So that's another opportunity for students to learn as well. And we also had the residents teaching those topic discussion and, and those modules as well. And I do just want to note, I was just thinking about you know, we're talking about maybe some of the challenges with the layered learning model, but I will say one of the things or the reasons I went to the layered learning was the challenge of getting a lot of our preceptors to precept because just because of the load that comes with precepting and you have, you feel like you you own, right, the student's experience or the learner's experience from beginning to end and trying to do evaluations in those things. So we actually use the layered learning to offset some of those challenges. And then it allows us also to use a variety of different preceptors. So we may have some of our operational pharmacists that want to precept, but aren't able to, you know, feel like they can do that every day, all day long for a month. So we will incorporate them into the experience as well. And again, having this kind of always moving kind of schedule and things that really allows us to pull in a variety of different people. So I did just want to mention that because I I do think that was, again, one of the drivers, not only to have the residents have exposure, but to ensure that we still have a lot of people that want to precept, but maybe just can't take on that whole responsibility with the other things that, you know, they're being asked to do. Yeah, definitely agree. One of the things, Dr. Britton, that I think that you said that was compelling is using those pharmacists that don't feel like they want to or have the time to be the primary preceptor, but still want to be involved in the precepting process. So they still want to be engaged in the education of our learners, just don't feel like they have the time or the skill set or um, any number of reasons that they that may prevent them from serving as primary preceptors. So I think that is a challenge maybe for a lot of the pharmacists out there that may be listening to our podcast today to try to find ways to be involved in the process without really being that primary preceptor. Yeah. And I think also what we've tried to do, I mean, I really tried to be cognizant of when we're doing a lot of these group activities that are part of the layered learning rotation of also finding out about other students that are on rotation, you know, at our facility and bringing them and incorporating them into the topic discussions, which again, like a pharmacist who's working in the pharmacy is probably not going to have time to step away and devote three hours to have a top 200 discussion and, you know, do a topic discussion, but they still add so much other layers of experience for that student that 
you know, I'm not necessarily going to be able to do. So, you know, I think there's lots of ways to think about partnership. I just, I feel like a couple of years ago, you know, some of our preceptors were just kind of getting to the point where it was like, it's a lot. And, you know, we, we know like there's a lot of things that you have to do. It's not just like, oh, you're coming in to work with us. You know, there's a lot of things you have to check off and we're really wanting to make sure, right, that they're getting all of these entrustable professional activities. And obviously the rotational experience is elevated, but I think that can be a bit intimidating for preceptors. So anything I always try to think about is like anything that we can do to help offset some of that is really our goal. And if we're already doing it, why not have, you know, some additional people that are involved in it? And I think it's also beneficial that the more people you have in the audience when you're doing a topic discussion or a group discussion, the better, because then that's just better practice for kind of continued exposure. Thanks for expanding on that, that Dr. Britton. I think both of you really touched on how to overcome the challenges and, you know, overcoming your obstacles and making this a successful program. Do you have any other suggestions for those that may be experiencing obstacles in your experience that you could offer to those that are listening? I can talk about just briefly about the obstacles for us at here at UTMB. So one of the ways that I feel like you can overcome is similar to Dr. Britton, which is utilizing the other pharmacists as preceptors, not solely for that rotation experience, for, but in part. So when I'm not able to provide a layered learning model, for example, for a student that's with me, I have another ambulatory preceptor that may have a resident. And so I'll ask that preceptor to take on the student for just maybe once a week. And then I will also ask for some of the ambulatory pharmacists to have that resident or student with them at least once a week, just to give them the opportunity to precept, see what it's like. Most of the time, what I've heard is that they truly enjoy it, just based on some of the information they've heard in the past that, you know, it's so much work, but offering that a little bit at a time for them to have that experience often helps them grow as well. And then they appreciate the process. And then they then tend to volunteer for those experiences. Having these topic discussions, inviting all the preceptors to the topic discussions. I remember a situation where we started the LAPI program last year, and I only invited the preceptors that were actually precepting those students at that time. And some of the topics the other preceptors were truly interested in, and they were like, hey, I wasn't invited. And so just having that opportunity for them to be invited to the areas, uh, the, the presentations that they may have an expertise in has also provided our team the opportunity to grow our preceptors. I think that we were about 15, now we're at 25, and the preceptors are, or the pharmacists are really truly interested in precepting the students and residents and seeing them grow. I think that's a really interesting way to approach the obstacle, like give them a little taste of what it's like, you know, and then they can sort of feel out to see whether they, it's really something that they feel like they would be successful in or really like to do or challenge themselves in this way. I think that's an interesting way to approach um, personnel or, you know, increasing your opportunities for your learners. I think one obstacle that we haven't really, I don't want to necessarily say it's an obstacle, but I think it's something that definitely has to be considered when you're thinking about layered learning. And I try to be like very cognizant of this is particularly for our IPPE students that this is like, this is a lot (laughs) to come into, you know, as their first rotation experience where 
I'm the student and I'm on rotation and now I've got fourth years and I've got residents I'm working with. And so I always really try to make sure that like, I've got my, you know, my pulse on how they're, how they're doing, ensuring that we're like really leaning into encouraging them. And we're also wanting to see like growth for them, but it does require you to really think about what's appropriate for my IPI student, where do we want our IPI students to be? And then like, same thing with the residents. And so it's that elevation of practice. I do think the one thing that seems to work well for us is particularly with the top 200, our IPI students, we really emphasize that in the first year of the curriculum. So they're probably have the freshest uh, review of that content. And I do think that allows them to really be interactive and kind of knowing the material really well and gives them some, I guess, comfort in knowing that they've got some of that clinical drug knowledge, but maybe not to the level that some of the students are that are farther along in their training. And then the other cool thing that we do is uh, we do an OTC review. So we actually go to a local pharmacy and we just, we walk the, the aisles and we pick off products off the shelf and talk through them. And, and again, because our first year students get that in their first year of the curriculum, they typically, again, have that kind of most recent exposure. Um, and it's always a good review then for the fourth years and even the residents um, who maybe haven't seen a lot of these products or really thought about it in a while. Um, so I just think that's really important to make sure that we're building in you know, um, different, different types of activities that are hitting all of those learners. But I think it, it's a way to elevate the experience though, for the IPI rotation as well, because it's giving them a lot more exposure than probably they would have if it was just IPI focused. And to add on to that exposure, I definitely agree because what happens is as the IPI becomes IPI, the IPI becomes the resident, especially if they come back to us. It's a wonderful, it's it's wonderful to see the change, the growth, and we help build better pharmacists um, along the way. And a lot of these students, they want to come to our program. So that's a benefit of also doing the layered learning model, because then later on, they want to become a pharmacist and they want to go through the PGY-1 or the PGY-2 programs that you have at your institution. And that often assists because they already know the institution, the culture, and so they just fit right in. So I think that's definitely a important piece of this as well. Yeah, actually, one of my incoming residents was actually one of my APPE layer learning students last year. So <laughs> that is very true. I think that's a great segue into our final question. For those pharmacists who are looking to incorporate the layered learning model into their practice, maybe as a beginning or ways to improve the model that they currently use, what suggestions do you have for these pharmacists? I mean, I think for, for me, and at least I know how we do rotational scheduling at our university, it requires pretty advanced planning to know when, what your availability would be for in terms of students. So I think that's one thing. It's not really something that I think you can say, oh, next month, I'm going to start a layer learning rotation. So I think that's one thing of like having some of that uh, forethought and planning. And then I think the other is, again, that planning portion where knowing like as we're leading up to doing layered learning, we are already really working on coming up with all the logistical, you know, timing, where will the students be with who, you know, how much time, which days do we need to be doing things? I mean, to me, probably the biggest challenge is that scheduling component. And 
that just ensures that, you know, it's going to be a great experience for everybody across the board. Dr. Green, what suggestions do you have? Biggest suggestion, provide clear instructions to the students and the resident. You want to ensure that they have a good understanding of what the layered learning model is and the benefits of it. Because if it's not clear, then you can run into some issues on learning on both sides. So involve the resident in the required experiences for the student and then ensure to obtain feedback from both the student and resident so you can continue to make improvements to your program. That's all the time that we have today. I wanna to thank Dr. Britton and Dr. Green for joining us today to discuss peeling back the layers of the layered learning model and outpatient perspective. I think you guys provided some really interesting thoughts and some interesting ways that uh, maybe both inpatient and outpatient pharmacists may be able to incorporate this layered learning model. I think you guys have a, a really broad, diverse practice. And I was really excited to hear about all the ways that you guys have used this model to train our learners and to improve our pharmacy workforce. If you haven't before, I encourage you all to check out ASHP's educator resources. You can find member exclusive offerings such as Preceptor Toolkit, the Research Resource Center, and exchange ideas with your peers on the ASHP Education Connect community. Thanks again for tuning in for this session of Educator Essentials, and we hope you've enjoyed today's conversation. And be sure to subscribe to ASHP Podcasts through your favorite podcast provider. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.